Hello everybody, welcome back to Phantom Power Music. This is the inaugural episode of the Phantom Power Artist Hour. I was going to do it as a business hour, but you know, if it's going to be all about the artists and we're going to be interviewing artists, then it should be called the Artist Hour. So lo and behold, this is a new show for us. And we are really excited about having Mr. Joe Martin from Lancashire, 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 UK. On well, I'm like every American, I'm screwing up all the pronunciations of beautiful British towns. I'm sure Joe will tell us how to properly pronounce it. Uh, but we're going to be talking to Joe Martin uh, about his journey into music, his journey into Bitcoin, about how somebody from the UK was able to develop. Uh, a country sound and Americana sound, how he found his footing and all of that. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking about Bitcoin and value for value and all that kind of fun stuff. But before we get into that, let's check out one of his songs called Money for the Needy. We'll listen to the track and then we'll bring Joe into the show. So thank you all for joining us. Let's check out this track by Joe Martin called Money for the Needy and then we'll bring him on. Let's check it out. Said money for the needy. You need to hear my story. I was a man like you not too long ago. I said sorry, sir, move out my way. I got a meeting and I'm running late. Then I drove on by. I didn't hesitate or even look him in the eye. I don't know why I didn't stop a while. Hear him out, even give a smile I was too caught up in my own life My job, my house, my kids, my wife I didn't need to give more kindness to be had Money for the need Was the same old Monday morning when I got called into the office. Boss said, "Sorry, son, we got to let you go." I said, "So twenty years means nothing. What am I supposed to tell my wife and kids when I get back home?" So I stopped off at the local bar. Sat around till it got dark Bartender said, this one's on me I said, I keep my pride You can keep your pity Cause I ain't broken I'm no charity This ain't money for the needed Wife and I will shout all night Keep the kids up with our fights Whiskey on my breath See it in my eyes I'd give 
Eventually, I lost the house. I couldn't make the rent, so I moved out to sofas of old friends and then a park bench. Well, some people ain't got souls. I swear he didn't give a damn or even care when I was holding up my hat in his car window. I said, money for the needed. You need to hear my story. I was a man like you not too long ago. And he said, sorry, sir, move out my way. I got a meeting and running late. And he drove on by, didn't hesitate or even look. So that's uh, Money for the Needy, and on the line is Mr. Joe Martin. What's up, Joe? How are you, buddy? I'm good, Taylor. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm, doing I'm doing well for a uh, Sunday afternoon in Nashville. Now tell me, how bad did I butcher? Is it Lancashire? 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 What is it? Uh, it's Lancashire, if you're from Lancashire. Or it's Lancashire if you're from the States. <laughs> Lancashire. You did fine. You did good. You did good. It's, well, I'm from Mobile. It's Lancashire. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Hey, um, I mean, I always love hearing artists such as yourself who, uh, who aren't from here um, really attaching themselves to Americana and to country. So how, how did you get into it? Like, get, like take us back to the beginning of of um your how you got into music and and how you landed into americana and country yeah well the the kind of brief story is i I started doing music when i was really young maybe about five or six years old and i started singing lessons and piano lessons and i studied with a great teacher and i did all the classical stuff first which was a great foundation um you know to start with and then in my teens, I picked up a, a guitar for the first time, an acoustic guitar. My dad plays guitar, so he taught me a few chords, and that sort of got me on my way. And um, and I'd always been fascinated with songwriting, songwriting, and I knew I wanted to write songs, but uh, I didn't really have enough life experience, you know, in my teens to, to write anything worth listening to. Just heartbreak songs, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then I was kind of like writing kind of folky stuff and, I mean, I was influenced heavily. I listened to, you know, my parents' record collection, which was like all 60s and 70s stuff. Um, but it was really when I was sort of 18, 19 and heading off to music college that I really got into country music properly. Um, and that was through the show Nashville, which I'm sure you... Ah. <laughs> I'm sure you yeah. It's funny because a lot of like UK artists that are in the country scene they all cite that show as being a big moment for them to get into it like yeah. more of the modern country especially yeah. um, so that's really what got me hooked and then i started discovering newer more contemporary country artists and uh and writing in that style and i love the lyric uh side of it you know i'm a lyrics yeah. guy and i love the storytelling and really like the the storytelling that's kind of you know, very plain English, no fancy words, but they tell a really detailed and descriptive and compelling story. Uh, and that's what I loved about it. And then, you know, I, don't, I 
ever since uh, watching the show, I was watching it every week religiously and I wanted to go out to Nashville. Uh, so as soon as I finished college, I was like, right, I'm going to go. Uh, and I went out there for the first time in 2016. Didn't know anyone or anything like that. And uh, I loved it. And uh, and then the next year, I got a message from the Bluebird Cafe because oh. I'd, I'd given I'd given a friend of mine a, a demo tape to take in. Yeah, CD. <laughs> What's that? <about>? Demo <laughs> take in, and uh, they got in touch with me. And I thought it was a I thought it was a joke or something. I I, I was like I'd forgotten that I'd given her this CD. This was my friend Terry, who I stayed with on my first trip out there, family friend, and. Um, and then no, it was legit. So I was like, right, I've got to go back. Yeah. So I went back and played the show at the Bluebird and met some more cool people and, you know, had another great trip. And then I went out for the last time in 2018. Uh, and yeah, ever since I've been, you know, writing and like doing, gigging mainly over here in the UK. Um, yeah. And I've done a few gigs in Europe recently, but it's mainly been the uk and uh yeah you were just over in holland last weekend weren't you yeah yeah a few gigs in holland the netherlands and uh that was supporting a another band um they were, they were good numbers you know they were good shows you know yeah. good crowds to play in front of and get yeah it's, those guys it, it, it's funny that you mentioned the show nashville because a lot of people who have been here for you know 10 15 20 years or longer their whole life like they they say it's that show that really pushed Nashville to the forefront of uh, music in the States. I mean, it's always been Music City, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and actually, it was Queen Victoria who named it Music City, who gave it the nickname. All right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, there was uh, an African-American gospel group that came over. Uh, and damn it, it uh, forgive me because I, I forget the name of the university that they were from here in Nashville, but they went over and sung for the Queen and she and she was enthralled and named it music uh, and nicknamed it Music City. But um, yeah, the the show Nashville kind of has like a dirty connotation to it. Like everybody knows that's the reason why it why why the city kind of took off. But I will t I will tell you from a like a, a personal perspective, like. During the pandemic, that was my, um, like, I watched every episode of that, and I watched every episode of Tiger King, right? Like, yeah. I, <laughs> no too. shame, right? Like, I mean, what the hell? I had nothing to do. I had nothing to do. Yeah. Um, but, I, dude, you have the vibe of it down. I, I, I love the point that you were just making about lyrics, because the story you tell in Money for the Needy, the song we just heard is absolutely right on and it's very synonymous still with what's going on right now not over here with the economy over here but i'm sure it's the same in the uk but also with um uh born to die young like just great lyrics and great storytelling so um i i i, I agree with you like you're you are passionate about the lyrics and you and you do a hell of a job with them and you've nailed the vibe too like you got a good um, Americana, Laurel, Laurel Canyon, Nashville music vibe. So, kudos, man. Nice Thank job. You. Yeah, yeah. I, kind of, I've tried to. Well, I've drawn from all my influences, which is yeah, that Laurel Canyon sound, you know. And I'm a big James Taylor fan and yeah, Carol King fan, all that stuff. Uh, but I've tried to kind of put my own stamp on it, and I don't try and write from an American perspective. I write about Universal 
topics yeah. that anyone can relate to. Yeah. Um, you but, can't write from a perspective that isn't your own and be exactly. honest. And, and some know? people try and it doesn't work if you're not, if you're not, li if you don't live that life, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be like if I tried to write songs about being a woman, it wouldn't stick. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. I don't, I don't, right. I'm mean, like, I, I have an idea cause I'm married. Right. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so let, let, let me ask you uh, just for, from my years of writing and from the work that I did in LA and the work that I've done here, like as far as your writing process goes, do you write lyrics first or do you write music first? Uh, I never know how to answer this question because it's everything really. It, I, I, sometimes, oh, really? I sometimes write the lyrics first. I sometimes write the melody first. I think it's best when both come together, to be honest. Um, yeah. But that's quite rare. But um, I don't really know. I think if I if I'm going into a co-write, I will have a few idea lyrical ideas mainly. Yeah. Um, as like a, a theme to write about, and and maybe the hook, like the chorus hook. That's the thing in Nashville. I feel like a lot of the time I've written out there with people, they yeah. start from like a a clever turn of phrase that's kind of a common turn of phrase. They twisted it round, or they've done something clever with it. And then you kind of like working back, like piecing the puzzle together from there. Yeah. And that's great in a co-write because that's just a good anchor to, to start from. Uh, but you've got a bit more freedom when you're writing on your own to, to how you go about it, where you start. Um, yeah. I quite like writing without an instrument. I don't do enough of that. Really? Yeah. Like, I think my best ideas come when I've not got a guitar in my hand or I'm at a piano or anything. It's like when I'm driving somewhere or doing some sort of mundane task and I'm either listening to music or I've just been listening to music and there's ideas going around in my head. Huh. Um, and because you're not kind of soon, I feel as soon as you pick up an instrument, sometimes that can constrain you a bit. That directs the melody rather than the melody finding its own path. So, so. Ah, yeah, that's a great point. That's well, a great point. I, I yeah, I have, I, I mean, I've, I've pretty much retired from writing, so to speak, but I was always a, a music first type of thing. Cause I always wanted to know like where the beat was going to fall where, and I, and then like what, once I had the music done, then I would be able to slip the lyrics into the process. And I don't know if it's right or it's wrong. It just works. It just worked for me, but I've always, I've always enjoyed asking other musicians and other songwriters, hey, are you music first or lyric first? But you're the, honestly, man, you're the first person I've ever spoken to who's like, yeah, sometimes it's like, I don't even, like, I, I like not having an instrument around me. I, that's an interesting perspective. I hadn't thought of it that way. So, yeah. T tell me, like, the, the co-writing thing, you know, co-writing here in Nashville is huge, right? Like, for yeah. those who don't know, for those who are listening, like you, you get together with two or three people, somebody's got an idea, you pound out a song in three hours, and then you jump across town and you do another co-write, right? Yeah. Um, did, are, are, are you doing that over over in the UK? Are you doing it via Zoom? Like, how are you doing it? Um, there is a bit of a co-writing thing over here, but nowhere near the same level as in Nashville. Um yeah, I find it really interesting. There were some people that I, I wrote with out there that said they'd only ever done co-writes. Like they'd never written on their own, which I found really interesting. Um, but no, it's crazy. Like over there, you can even, I, I, I think I even like wrote a song with my Uber driver. <laughs> not, while yeah. I, not while I was getting taken somewhere. <laughs> but he was like, oh, I write songs as well. And we, yeah, but it's you can write a song. You just the guy that's pulling you a pint at the bar is probably a songwriter, and 
Oh yeah. You throw a stone, you hit a songwriter. It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll hit. It'll hit two songwriters before it hits the ground. Yeah. Right. It's but crazy. That, but, that's uh, funny. That's funnier than hell. Like you get picked up at at the airport from an Uber driver, and you're like, "Hey, man, take me over to Grimey's, and we got 20 minutes. Let's write a hook." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Funny. No, it's 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 crazy. I, I um I had some great co-writes out there, and and the thing about it out there is it's like um you could meet someone for the first time and you're into a co-writing session and it doesn't feel weird. Whereas over yeah. here, I feel like if you were just to write with someone that you'd never really met or got to know, it would, it would be kind of strange. But over there, it's just like normal. Um, I've written a few songs with people that I've met for the first time and uh, got some good songs out of it as well. So, Well, here, here's something I just thought about. Like, have you found that writing with American writers is a bit more honest and and forgive me for these adjectives but is a bit more honest and soul searching than writing with somebody from the uk or or europe where culturally like folks from the uk and the and europe like they, they tend to hold in a little bit more about their personal lives right whereas like you meet an american for the first time and in like in 15 minutes they'll be like well you know i'm an alcoholic i got three kids in denver and and i lost my job last week and uh god damn it the plumbing you know the toilet's leaking like they'll t americans will tell you everything right? <laughs> yeah to be fair maybe they're, they're a bit less reserved about telling you that you've got a bad idea which is good in songwriting. You need to just like cut the crap and just get to the the, the good stuff, you know, filter through all the bad ideas and not be afraid of t saying that it's a bad idea. Whereas yeah. we're a bit too polite over here about that. Uh, but to be honest, I've not written enough with people over here to actually make a fair comparison. Cause like most of my co-writers have actually been when I've been in Nashville. So, cause I just, <laughs> just packed them in when I'm over there. So. Yeah. Um, have you um are, are, are you doing any co-writes still with like folks over here are you doing it via zoom right now or no i've only ever done one zoom right and i didn't like it i really didn't. oh yeah uh yeah i just could not get the connection it's not the same as being in the room with a person yeah. maybe maybe it was just i don't know a bad experience but i i was like no i'm not a fan of this <laughs> i need well, to be there yeah it was, okay so so we talked about writing now now let's talk about recording like where where do you do uh your tracking now are you tracking at home are you tracking in studios or where, where, where do you do the bulk of your work so it changes every time like I, yeah. I kind of want that every time i record something new i want it to be somewhere different um and i want someone different to mix it as well um just because i don't know i want to i want to try and get a different sound out of every new release that i do mm -hmm. um but the, the album that i just done um i was lucky enough to well i did half of it i did the rhythm section um at the bass player that that i go out with sometimes at his studio so we did all the the drums and bass some of the guitar at his studio and the rest was done at my manager's studio he's got a home studio okay um, and he's got some gorgeous microphones and everything and he just let me do do things in my own in my own pace there and for free as well which which helped a lot oh god yeah um, that's huge now you're talking about the record uh empty passenger seat right yeah yeah okay cool yeah so that was great because it kind of i feel like in the studio you need you do need a certain uh time pressure to get things done or you could just be sat around just uh, take 1200 and whatever just keep going over and over and you you can't decide what you want to do. So when you when you're looking at the clock, and you've got a bit of time pressure, it does kind of, it's good for making decisions. 
So I, I felt that that worked well for like the rhythm section. But then when it came to me laying down my vocal parts and stuff, I had the freedom to just try a lot of different things and just be really relaxed. And uh, I thought that worked well. I thought that was a good compromise of, you know, recording style. So. Yeah, you can spend, I'm mean, God, you can spend hours, days doing guitar parts, right? And at some point yeah. you just got to go, good enough, it works, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and I don't mean that in the sense that Pro Tools can can clean it up, but like, because you, you can sit there and come up with six great parts for the same thing. And it's, you know, but at the end of the day, for me personally, like it's always going to be about the lyrics and the vocal because it's always going to be about the story. I, I don't care what genre you're in. I mean, of course, lyrics and the story are top when it comes to Americana and country. Yeah. Um, I like yeah, I mean, you can waste so much time in the studio. It's not even funny. Yeah, and I, I'm a big fan of recording everything together if you can if you can get away with it and you've got the space to do it. Yes. Because like when the musicians are vibing off each other and you, you've just got an energy that you can't capture when you multi-track things. So yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan. It saves time, <laughs> saves money, and I think you get a better you know result at the end. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm I'm old school. You know, I mean, I, I started when everything was was being recorded to tape. Um, I, I was in La Los Angeles when the transition was being made from tape over to Pro Tools, and it was fascinating to see like Ocean Way and Capital and a lot of these studios like start to lose revenue. And I mean, it, you know, the the big ones are still around, but a lot yeah. of the smaller ones went under. Um, and it's and there's a lot of benefit, of course, to doing everything digital. But um, one of to to me, one of the biggest losses in that whole thing is the live feel of it. You yeah. know, just which is what what you were just recording of. And I, and I I still pre prefer the warmth of tape. Um, yeah. But it's you know in so many respects it's cost prohibitive now. You know. I know that's the thing. I, I really want to record to tape at some point, but like you said, it's it's whether I can validate the costs of it and <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the hassle. Yeah, it'll. Yeah, it it'll it'll. Um, I mean, you, you you better be on your game. You know, like yeah. you you better have your parts. You know, down. You know, yeah. have a really good idea because you know editing um, tape. <laughs> yeah, I mean, tape doesn't lie, man. You know, I mean. You know, you get some hotshot who just thinks that they're that they're amazing, and and you can fix a lot of their sloppy crap in Pro Tools, but yeah, they lay it down on tape and they suck. Tape doesn't lie, you know. Yeah. So, um, well, let's let, let's talk about how you and I really found each other, and that's um, you know, Wave Lake and and Bitcoin and value for value. Um, and of course, and then we'll segue into um, what you got going on with your latest single, which is a not only is it a, a great song, but it's also a brilliant marketing idea uh, on your part. Um, but tell tell me how you got into um, Bitcoin and value for value and Wave Lake. Like, just get, get, give me the the uh, start of it all. Yeah, so I've I've been interested. In, in Bitcoin for a while and I've been kind of uh, listening to a lot of podcasts and I've been watching from the sidelines at, at you know like the Lightning Network grow and all that kind of stuff and mature and uh, and I kept hearing that this value for value term being used on these podcasts 
Um, I think the first one I heard it was the Kevin Rook podcast that covers everything whitening related. And, um, and then I, I got the fountain app uh, and thought that was you know, a great experience and started zapping, sending sats to these podcasters that I was listening to. And, uh, and then I was kind of thinking like, I feel like I'm missing out here. I, I can't, well, I thought, is there not something similar, but for music? Cause I, I couldn't find anything that was similar to fountain for music. Um, and I thought, right, well, the next song I'm going to put out, I want to, I'm going to put it out as a podcast, uh, episode on fountain nice. yeah. and just see what happens. And I, I remember reaching out to, to Kevin and, and other people and said, you know, do you think this is a good idea? Just asking their opinion. They said, yeah, like there's nothing stopping you from doing it. It's RSS. It's open. It's just an MP3 file. You can upload whatever you want basically. So I did that and I, I posted it to Stacker News, which is kind of like, um, Stacker News? Stacker News. Yeah. 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 I just signed up for them recently. Okay. Yeah. Good, good idea. Yeah. And I just posted the idea on there and, and people love the idea. And, um, I don't know. I probably made like 80 or a hundred pounds, like in the first couple of weeks of the song being out. And that was like, that blew my mind because, you know, I, I hadn't really made anything from streaming services yeah. before that. Yeah. And, you know, not only that, but the, the money goes straight into your account, well, into your wallet. And then you can just like send that wherever you want. Um, and I was like, okay, this is great. Um, and then, and then shortly after that, uh, Sam from Wave Lake reached out and said that nice. they're, they're building this platform, but for music. And I was like, right, well, that's what I was wondering. That's what I was looking for when I, before I decided to put it up on Fountain. So, um, I jumped on the very earliest version of that, that they opened up to people. And, um, and yeah, like I was like, right. Okay. From now on, I'm just going to release stuff early on Wave Lake and I'm going to embrace it and i'm going to announce to everyone that if they want to listen to my music early head to wave lake um i think i put my live album up on wave lake uh because that i was selling that just through my website because so prior to my studio album i released a live album which basically essentially was to raise the funds to put towards the studio album so, nice. I, so I, only had, you. I only had physical copies of that because i was like if i put this on spotify like that's not the point like the point is people have to buy a physical copy if they want to support me yeah. so and then yeah. so after i after the uh, studio album was recorded and everything i then put that up on wavelength but i've not put it up on spotify uh, i'm not i'm not going to so like so so there's going to be things that i do i might do an extended album in the future and i'll put the extended version on wavelength and i won't put it on spotify and i'll be releasing everything early on wavelength because i think it's good and i want to encourage other artists to do the same where you know to, because it's got to have, have to come from the artist first to direct people and their fans over to Wavelight. Because there's not much of an incentive for the listener, the consumer of the music to switch, but there is a big incentive for the producer of the music to try and get their fans over on on Wavelight. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow. So you so you got into this before Wavelight, and Wavelight found you. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. You're old school, dude. <laughs> well, it, it's crazy. It's crazy how fast things move, right? Because this was only a year ago that I yeah. put the song out, and Wave Lake, uh, the main sort of platform, came out in January, I think, of this year. So, if you see how far it's come in a year, uh, it's just, it's just insane. And they, 
I don't know if you've had a chance to play with their uh, iOS app. That no, they're I'm on, it. I'm on Android, but but my wife tells me it works great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Android as well. Oh, but, yeah, right on. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's just incredible how fast it's moving. Um, and even the amount of tracks that are being uploaded on a daily basis now is kind of going, looks like it's going exponential. So that's great. That's yeah. It's all really good. Um, it's really fascinating. I think, you know, we needed somebody like Way Blake to come along and really create the opportunity for artists such as yourselves. I mean, we, you know, we, we know that it's kind of happening in the Ethereum space, and that's a different show altogether. Um, you know, we could talk about that, you know, but um, no idea. I don't follow any. <laughs> yeah. I, and I don't play, I mean, you know, I, I know just enough to know that I'm not going to get involved in that um mm -hmm. but i love the strategy um that you have there like you know going in the bitcoin space first and then you know releasing it out on on the traditional dsps and i and you know i i pay attention to a lot of the uh, bloggers and podcasters around here in nashville talking about songwriting of course and royalty splits and all that kind of stuff and and i think it, like the timing of wave lake and the other um providers that are coming online for artists such as yourself to put their music up in the, in the bitcoin space like the time is now like it's it's going to absolutely freaking explode pretty soon and yeah. um yeah. There's, there's so much hunger for it and it's oh, like people yeah. are just getting like so disenfranchised with how things have been for so long that it's like everyone's yeah. looking for a solution everyone knows what the problem is but no one know, seems to realize what the solution is yet yeah that's how i feel about it it's it's funny it's kind of like um you know i i've been uh, promoting wave late to people that i gig with and i know and and you know my peers that are gigging and on the scene over here and um it's kind of really sad because when i explain it to them they they're like they don't understand they're like what's the catch because the thing the thing is right like yeah. if you want to put your music on spotify you have to go through a distributor so you have to pay your distributor to upload to Spotify. Yeah. I, I'm sure you know all this, but yeah. to the listeners, you have to pay for your music to be uploaded to Spotify, and then you don't get paid from Spotify. So, so you have to pay exactly. to not get paid. Whereas yeah. with like, it's the complete opposite. It's free to upload, and you get paid. You can start getting paid from day one, and you keep it all. With Spotify, you have to pay to not get paid. Yeah, that's so, a strong quote by Joe Martin. <laughs> But it's and true. that'll do it. That'll be the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And then, like, Wave League is the complete opposite. And then you explain to people, and they're like, "But what's the catch?" They don't. They don't believe that it's possible. They're like, "There's got to be some catch here." And you're like, "There yeah. is no catch. There's no catch." Yeah, <laughs> I'm starting. I'm starting to talk to people about Wave Lake and the other services too. And you know, you're like, "Look, man, like, there's artists out there." in this space like joe martin and, and uh you know ainsley costello like these guys are making a couple hundred bucks a thousand bucks a month in the bitcoin space and they yeah. you know and they they look at you like with a thousand yard stare you know they're like you know yeah. they have you know and it's like it's sitting right the opportunity is right there in front of you and i i think you know what we're gonna continue to um face this uphill battle of people just like being like, yeah, you're, you're like an anti-establishment Bitcoin nut job. Right. 
yeah. uh, you know, rather than looking at, at what the uh, the opportunity is uh, in front of you, uh, yeah. ir- irregardless of the politics, uh, irregardless of the technology, like I, I, I try to approach it from, hey, this is just another revenue stream, right? Like, yeah, yeah you're going to yeah, you're going to keep doing gigs. You're going to go over to Holland and open up for other people. You're still going to put your stuff up on on the traditional DSPs. That's not going to change. Yeah. But this is a real thing. This is happening. People are making money in it and it's going to explode and you need to get on this now. And uh, people well, are slowly coming around to it. Yeah. The thing is, um, you know, I don't try and I, I never try and sell anyone on the idea of Bitcoin or anything like that. Like yeah. I, don't try and convince, I don't try and convince people either way with that. Yeah. I'd say research it, you know, spend it's worth spending your time, like looking into it, but but with with wavelength with this five value concept as well that, that it's one of the few things in life that has no downside yeah like and there's there's very few things you can say that about right yeah like, there is like you upload your music to one more music platform for free it doesn't cost you anything and you can start getting paid for it so there is literally no downside which yeah. which again sounds like that's why people are like what's the catch like it sounds too good to be true but but you, you know, you open yourself up to maybe potentially a load more listeners that you wouldn't have had that are listening on Wave Lake, and they can send you value straight away. No one's taking a cut. Yeah, and so, then once they get that that initial rush of like, I, I, I'm sure the way you felt, like, t- t- tell me about how you felt the very first time you opened up your phone, and all of a sudden you see, holy crap, somebody just sent me a thousand sats. Yeah, it was it was a mixture of emotions. Really, I felt like. I had my mind blown and I was like amazed, but I was also quite angry. I was, I was, I was angry. I was pissed off about how much has been taken from how much value has not made it to these artists over the years. Okay. It's been yeah. like siphoned away by the Spotify's of the world, you know, these big streaming yeah. platforms. Yeah. And it kind of like the thing, the thing is like, okay, there's technological limitations to what could be achieved before. So now we're, we're in a new paradigm. We're on a new playing field now. So I guess you can't be angry that it's not happened because it couldn't happen before lightning. Bitcoin, right. right. But right. it still made me a bit pissed off <laughs> because it just made me think of like, this is what I've been waiting for for the past 10 years of doing yeah. it. And um, it's finally here now, which is exciting. So it's kind of given me like a, a boost of like, you know, morale and like, it's yeah. gotten and fired up again and and using the the app uh, that was in the beta app the, uh, that they're about to release that got me really excited with how how easy it is just to just to fly through it and just zap people and it's just amazing so yeah um i think it's the the biggest thing is going to be the mind shift from people you know that are going over to wave lake and thinking right well it's the music's free to listen to there's no ads but actually no i have to you know i'm expected to send something back yeah, you got to dump, you got to put some sats into into a quote unquote account at Wave Lake, right? Like, and then use app from there. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, damn. I think, I, people, just, I think people will do it. It feels good to, it feels good to zap people. If you yeah. like it, it, you know. It, it it, well, that, that's what value for value is about, you know? I mean, like, it's like a digital tip jar, you know? It's like you're walking down in Hyde Park or you're walking here in Centennial Park in Nashville and, and, you know, Oh, look, there's a, there's a good looking kid from uh, Lancashire. 
playing his guitar. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some pounds in the in his case. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, I, it's I've the got exact a, same thing. I've got a blog on my website explaining value for value, and I've just re rejigged it to make it a bit more uh, accessible, a bit more understandable. And I've I've tried to use like a real world metaphor for that, in that like Spotify is kind of like the equivalent of a big stadium venue. Uh, and it's the only place in town to go listen to live music, right? And you um, you pay your ten ninety nine entrance fee to get in, even if you want to listen to a small act that's playing. And like the big streaming artists are like on the main stage of the stadium, and then value for that, and then they're taking everyone's ten ninety nine as they walk in, and then eventually a few months later paying it to the artist after they've paid the staff, the stewards, the lighting, the sound engineer, all these other people first. Well, value for values, the equivalent of like going to your local small bar where there's a tip jar on stage. Yeah. You know what you're putting into that jar is going straight to the artist and no one else is standing in the middle of it. Like it, that's kind of real world amen. that I've thought of. I don't know if it's a good analogy, but. Amen. Dude, I, I think it's great. Now that, and I'm looking at it right now. That's the joemartinmusic.com slash value for value, right? Yeah. 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 And I, the, the other thing, too, is that, like, when I think about artists like like you, you know, serious artists, professionally aspiring artists who want to make a serious living in this, I think, and, and and if I'm wrong or if you disagree, feel free to disagree. Um, but I, I think that you're going to have to play in the DSP space, in the, in the, in the traditional service provider space. Yeah. You're going to have to play with the Deezers and the iTunes and the Apples. Right. Yeah. Um, and you're going to have to keep doing gigs and you're going to have to, you know, even though radio is dying, it's still valuable. I think, I think BBC is far more valuable than, uh, iHeartRadio over here. Um, but I think that what, what, when I think about what you are doing in this space, the leverage you are creating for yourself when a major label out of Nashville comes knocking on Joe Martin's door there in the UK, the value that you have created for yourself, the leverage that you have created for yourself in the value for value lightning payment Bitcoin space is only going to make you even more marketable. And is only going to and is going to give you more power uh, on the signing table should you decide to sign up with somebody with, with a major label, you know. Um, yeah. And somebody is going to break out of this space and go mainstream. And the origin story is going to be, I, I think, uh, another one of those events culturally that drives more musician more musicians into this space. I um, do, do you agree with that or not? Yeah, I agree with that. I guess at the moment, because there's no other option for independent artists, as soon as they see a contract stuck in front of them for a, a record deal, like a lot of the time they're going to just jump at it, you know, because they're like, what else am I going to do? Whereas if this other model exists and you can get it to a point where you're making it, a good living off a few thousand fans that are sending you a few dollars a year through zaps and streams, then you, then you're going to think twice about taking on a deal, maybe where you're stuck with debt or you, you're locked into something that, you know, you don't have your rights to your own songs. Whereas with this, you can, you can keep everything as, as long as you put in the work to build the fan base over the years. I think it's, it's, it's made 
a workable model again for the independent artist you know is bringing back that middle ground that's been lost for this with the streaming platforms and everything um to make to make a living again a comfortable living for smaller artists i, th I think it's going to bring that back uh, which is yeah great. i think it's getting yeah, I, so yeah i i would agree do, do you think anybody who is mainstream right now who is signed to a major label do you do you think anybody's gonna get, get gonna j jump into this space while they're signed to a major label or do you think a major label would go uh -uh, don't do that it's hard to say really because it's it's about who owns the rights to the songs and a lot of the time like they'll have signed something away to the label that that will stop them from making their own unilateral decision as to whether that where they upload their music uh but I don't really know. I don't really know, but like, I, from what I've heard, like, I mean, the the labels are in the back pocket of Spotify anyway. So, it's not even the labels that are getting that screwed. It, it is the artist that's on the label. It's not really the labels. So, Spotify might just turn around to that to that record label, and be like, you're definitely not doing that. So, it's definitely yeah. it's definitely going to be a grassroots indie artist movement first. And then, yeah. And then, and then when it gets big enough, then the labels are going to pivot and, and it's going to switch over. But it, it depends as well how long Spotify can keep chugging along. Like, I, I don't, I, I read an article the other day saying it's it's lost like $300 million this year or something. And it's, it's like impossible for it to ever be profitable. And it, it makes you wonder whether like the Spotify's and the Netflix's are just a product of cheap money like a decade's worth of zero in zero percent interest rates and cheap money uh what you know that didn't actually need a profitable business model to work um, yeah and, and whether that their day is coming to an end <laughs> because yeah of, i mean an interesting point i mean you could make the argument that maybe they've been held up by investors right i mean because i i agree with you i i've read the same things i i i've read recently that i think they just finally turned a profit on a quarter right um and the consumers, <clears throat> by the way, if you go, you know, I, I don't know if you heard the first block, the first uh, business hour podcast that I put out where I kind of just ranted about the industry, nine things about the industry that I personally believe, but the industry looks at, looks at you guys like you're making burritos. Like they don't give a damn about the quality of your art. They just want to know how many burritos you can pump out, you know, in a day. Yeah. Um, but I, but I think you can make the argument with respect to Spotify that they haven't really turned a profit yet for them to stay in business they are going to have to raise their fees to the subscriber and they have hundreds of millions of subscribers um yeah. i'm sure you've heard the news that came out in the last couple of weeks that they're going to start doxing anybody who doesn't have a thousand spins you're not going to get paid you know i mean shit, you weren't getting paid anyways right yeah um, but they're kicking people off who have less than a thousand spins. I, I will credit them. I, I think it's good that they are penalizing the major distributors who are gaming the playlist system and flooding the playlists with like white noise crap and and uh, you know tracks that are only 31 seconds long. Like you know they you know they have a they have a tough road ahead of them if they want to uh, become profitable. But um, everything comes and goes uh, you know with, with every rise there is a fall and i i don't see them um being able to maintain a dominance in the industry uh when you have a decentralized opportunity like uh bitcoin uh at, at 
that is that is going to o- overtake them. And um, that now, and then the, the two other questions that I had for you al- along this line. One of them is, um, I I went to see Hunter Hayes um, last weekend here right. in Nashville, yeah. um, and he's awesome. God yeah. damn, is he good? Yeah, he um, can play. <laughs> yeah, but and, and he's 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 a com- complete independent now. Like he's really? he's not signed to a label, so. Yeah, so I was like, I was standing there looking at him like, damn, like that would be a good get, right? Yeah. Like if somebody yeah. could get him into the space, which led me to, which, which, you know, m- makes me think, God, there's a lot of people who have been dropped. I mean, they don't necessarily own their original catalog anymore. Like H- Hunter doesn't own the, the majority of that catalog, but he just put out another great record and it's it's on his label. Like he's, a, you know, the, those people who have been dropped from labels are a prime and who still have a fan base. They are a prime candidate for yeah. value for value in, in Bitcoin. Absolutely. I think it's going to be kind of like a symbiotic thing where the, where the artists like that, that are, have either been dropped or they're, or they were just savvy enough to keep everything from the start and they own their own rights and stuff. Um, they're going to move over, like they're going to probably be waiting till Wave Lake or something similar to Wave Lake has grown to a critical mass where, because it's still so small at the moment, it's, it's there's only probably a few thousand people actually on it and, and using it, uh, but yeah. it's got it's, it's being built from the right foundations and with the right principles. So it's being built in the right way uh, with longevity in mind, and um, it's going to be a case of like there's going to be a first mover where you get someone like a Hunter Hayes or whatever. And then another artist is going to see that and think, you know, that's the same level or whatever. And that it's going to snowball. Right. And then, and then yeah. it's going to become to, it's just going to get to a point where it's like, well, you're not on wave. Like what, what you're leaving, you're leaving sats on the table and <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember like, I, I, I went down there. Um, I, I met the guys from wave like this past summer at the lightning summit, uh, here at Bitcoin park in Nashville. Nashville is just so, we're, we're so lucky to, to have a uh, Bitcoin park, uh, which, awesome. yeah. yeah, I, um, it's, a for, um, God, how do I describe it? Um, it is, think of it as like, we work, for bitcoiners right like these guys they're all bitcoin developers uh, they're all code writers they're all <laughs> they're all brilliant and they they own two houses in uh in downtown nashville on music row and it's a it's it, it's a private business uh you have to be a member to work there but they have um public open uh open house events once a month and then you know a couple times a year they do massive events like they had the lightning summit in july they just had nostra november couple weeks ago um and i have i'm so thankful to be near that and to have learned from those guys and they're just so generous and they're and they're so welcoming um but i that's where i met the guys from wave lake and i met sam and everybody and i remember sitting in the presentation that they did on friday morning and there was a bunch of people in the room that were saying look like the only thing the movement needs is like we just need to get taylor swift to come over to to bitcoin i'm like there's no way in hell taylor's gonna come over to Bitcoin. like she's doing just fine you know but you do need it, it would be nice to get somebody like a hunter hayes or even somebody who's still signed you know to uh to come over into that space because that's really going to be the game changer for for everybody so yeah yeah i think i don't know i guess like um there's excitement with the people that know that know what it is and we're already on board but People just need to start hearing the, the idea of value for value and Wave Lake and all these other things, Fountain. 
Um, and the UX just has to get to a point where it's just like as good as, if not superior to, you know, your traditional like platforms. Um, and then it's yeah. just gonna be like a, it's just gonna be like a no brainer, I think for a lot of people. I mean, yeah. it's a no brainer for me now. Like, why would you, I, I don't understand why you'd upload your music to Spotify, let them keep the money instead of uploading it to Wavelink and you keep the money. Like, well, well, you said it earlier, buddy. People like to pay it and not get paid, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, <laughs> yeah, but I, this is hey, this is a nice segue into the sing to the uh, uh, single that you just released. So tell us about uh, the song we're we're gonna hear here in just a couple of minutes, and um, I, I got a lot of questions about it. So I will, and I think it's a brilliant idea. You have the floor, sir. Tell me about the new single. Okay, so the idea came from, I, I was speaking to a guy that goes by the name of JD, um, who's um, got a company called Cypherpunk Cinema, and he's based in LA. And uh, we, we sort of like got on a Zoom call and we were talking about what we're both doing. And uh, I, said, what, I said to him, oh, I don't want to write, I don't want to start writing Bitcoin songs like <laughs> like that's not cool i mean it is cool like I, I don't know it's a worthy topic to write songs about but it's kind of like i don't know if you were like the first artist on the internet and you're writing about the internet writing a song about the internet yeah it'd be pretty cheesy it doesn't hit as hard as like a love song or something like that so um and i said well I, you know i don't i, I don't want to do that and anyway I, i'm quite subtle with my songwriting i like to write with you know allude to something or writing metaphors or whatever. And he said, well, write your version of a Bitcoin song or something like, I don't know. So I, I did it through the, the lens of the Jetsons. I don't know. This idea came to me of like, right, we all want to, I want to write a positive song. I'm always writing depressing songs. So I want to write an optimistic song for a change. Um, <laughs> So I'm gonna yeah, write, I mean, I, I will say "Born to Die Young" is pretty damn sad, dude. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I'm gonna write an optimistic song about the future, and uh, we're either gonna go one or two ways. You know, it's gonna be dystopian or it's gonna be utopian. I, maybe I don't know. Um, so I thought, right, I'll write a song about a, a Jetsons future and how we're we gonna get there. And uh, I think you know, without technologies like Bitcoin and Nostra and these freedom tools that are being built out for each person to you know kind of like claim their own rights in the digital space it's it's we're not going to get to a jetson's future so it was kind of like a, a tribute to all the people that are building on the orange and purple networks um and then so i had this idea for this song and i thought right i'm gonna i'm gonna do this in a different way uh, i'm gonna go with a producer on this one um because I, I want it to be more like poppy, like a bit more produced than my other stuff, because it felt like it needed that. So I knew the exact guy that I wanted on it to produce it. He's called Matthew Garcia, and uh, he's a French producer, and he's based in Manchester near me. So I reached out to Matthew, and um, I didn't tell him exactly what the song was about, but I told him what I wanted from the song, and I just put down a, an acoustic part and a vocal, and I kind of left him to, to put what, you know what he thought it needed on there um because i i trusted him I, I love what he's done before with other you know other artists and i, I guided him a bit on it um but yeah he did he okay, did exactly but you're burying the but you're burying the lead here dude oh right you're, you're burying the lead here like what's the 
what is, how did you come up with the idea of, and how did you implement uh, giving away a million sats? So I had this idea a while ago, maybe even before I wrote the song, I was like, I want to write a song that's got a seed phrase buried in it. And this song like needed that. Uh, well, it was, if there was going to be a song, it was going to be this song. Cause it's about, you know, alluding to Bitcoin and Nostra and stuff like that. So, um, it's funny, like I got the, the bit 39, uh, word list and I actually, before I, I'd already written the lyrics, like I didn't even think about, uh, a seed or anything or you know what words could have been allowed as, as, as seed words i just wrote the song and then i went back to the song with the word list and found the words already in the song but in a what? certain yeah yeah you didn't have to well did you have to swap any of the lyrics out i had to swap one word no way because yeah so I don't know if you know, but a, a Bitcoin seed, the 11 words that you choose, that, that are chosen uh, with entropy, like randomness, or if you choose them yourself out of a hat or whatever, uh, that the first 11 words informs what the 12th word is, which is the checksum, uh, okay. which, makes, which yeah. makes valid key. So the 12th word uh, was actually, I had to change um, in the song for it to be valid. So for the so when you wrote the lyrics out and you created the wallet, you entered in the eleventh word, or excuse me, you, you entered in the eleven words, and then the twelfth word was generated. Was generated, and then you had to go back and go, all right, I gotta find a spot in the song for this twelfth word. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and then and, like, yeah. All right. So then, now that the song is out, what are you doing? to promote it and to get people to uh, fit, figure out the, the the 12 words or the order of the 12 words or whatever, and, and what's the prize? Right, so obviously there could be like a trillion combinations of what it could be. So unless people have a bit of guidance, they're never gonna, they're never gonna find it. Um, so yeah, so I'm basically putting out five clues and I thought it'd be kind of kind of neat to release a new clue every time there's a difficulty adjustment, uh, which for those who don't know, around every two weeks, the difficulty to mine new Bitcoin either goes up or down, depending on how much compute power comes onto the network. So I thought that's like the, the difficulty adjusting is like me releasing a new clue to make it easier to find the words. Damn. Uh, you, you, you went deeper on this than I thought you did. That's great. Yeah. So I think I think five clues is enough. I think once the fifth clue is out, I think people should have a fairly good chance of finding it. Because I don't really want it to be stuck there forever, even though that would be cool because like the song would hopefully just grow in value forever and ever and it would create more of an incentive. <laughs> it's, a, it's a two year campaign. Yeah, it would create I'm gonna more... get that damn song off the internet. I'm tired of hearing it. <laughs> It would create more of an incentive over time for people to listen to it. And it, it becomes its own self-fulfilling marketing budget because like the thing is people easily drop like 300 pounds, 500 pounds on marketing, like for an album oh, or, yeah. or whatever. So I thought, well, why can't the song be its own marketing budget? God damn, that's brilliant. So like the, the thing is, it's like, I thought, oh, this is a cool idea. And it will just get more and more so as the value goes up over time. Um, that's really great, man. So, and, and, but I'm going to say like, if it, if for whatever reason it is never found, 
I, I, I mean, people will have to take my word for it that I promise not to tell anyone and I won't claim it myself. Um, but if it's not claimed after like, I'm going to say 21 years, just, just to say, if it's not claimed in 21 years, I'm going to give it to a worthy charity and I will reveal what the words were. And then people can go and check. They can enter those yeah. words and check yeah. with their own nodes that it was there. Yeah, and of course they can. I mean, that's the beauty of the technology. So, yeah. So yeah. Are, are you getting some good play out, out of it? Or are you getting some good uh, activity, you know, some good marketing activity from it? I've just had people commenting, say, saying it's a neat idea. That's really cool. I mean, I don't know if it's ever been done in this context in a song. I know people have hidden seeds in like artwork and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone's ever uh, hidden them in a song lyric. So, as far as I know, if anyone has, please let me know. Um, oh, that's fantastic! I was like, oh, it'd be cool to be the first person to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, now, so do, are, are are you mining Bitcoin as well? Do you do you have a node at home or? Um, I've got a node, but I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah. Uh, I found some of those little nerd miner things. Those little tiny tiny ones. I don't know if you've seen them. They're kind of yeah. cute. Like. A one in a trillion chance of finding a block is me more of a chance of winning the lottery and i don't play the lottery so <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah no i don't mind no fair enough well listen uh we'll we'll play the song here in just a minute um but i really want to thank you joe for for coming on and taking the time to talk uh with me you're the you're the first artist I've spoken to in the Bitcoin space. I'm uh, I'm hoping to get this podcast uh, posted uh, within a couple hours uh, this afternoon. Uh, I know it's getting it's uh, pushing eight o'clock over there, so ho hopefully it'll be out by midnight your time tonight. Sure. Um, but uh, so tell everybody where they can find you on uh, on the interwebs and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, you can find me just at Joe Martin Music on any of the socials. Um, JoeMartinMusic.com is my website. Uh, I'm on Nostra as well. Uh, I don't know my end pub off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> you can find that through my Twitter or X or whatever it's called. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me on. It's it's an honor to be the first guest on your on your new show. So, oh, it's a pleasure, dude. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I I I I really love your music. I love your writing. You got a great voice too, man. You really got a great voice, and I. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I said at the beginning, like I, you really have the vibe down. You got the sounds down. Uh, I mean, I was just listening to Born to Die Young on Wavelength before uh, you jumped on the call here. And um, I mean, the acoustics, the slide, the lap, um, and and your voice in the in the lyrical story. Um, you know, I, I I'm in the unique position as a blogger and a podcaster that I really only talk about artists that I like um and you're definitely one of them you know there's a lot of there's a lot of garbage there's a lot of crap out there uh in the industry and that's part of the problem that you and every other unsigned artist has you got to deal with all that crap you know people who think that they that just because as i alluded to in another podcast that just because somebody tells them oh they're really great they get this false sense of security and they sh and they're not and they suck and they shouldn't be doing this but you sir are damn good at what you do and it's a pleasure to have you on the show and um Dude, next time you come to Nashville, man, you got to look me up. I will definitely get in touch. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully I'll be back out in the near future. So I'll drop you a line when I'm out there. That sounds great. All right, buddy. So that is uh, Mr. Joe Martin.
And uh, we are going to check out the song here called The Jetsons, where if you are paying attention and you take good notes and you pay attention to Joe's social media, you will uh, be able to unlock a million sats. So here we go. Here's the track, Joe. Thanks again, buddy. Thanks, Taylor. You talk about the future. What do you see? Is it an ocean of color growing exponentially? What keeps me up through the night time? Keeps me dreaming through the day. Is that the goddess of wisdom is only a block away? I wanna fly.
Absolutely love that dude's voice and uh, such a pleasure to have him on the show today for the first ever Phantom Power Artist Hour. Uh, just one last note about his voice. It's always fun to hear uh, somebody's singing voice in comparison to their speaking voice. And uh, he just has a lovely voice on both accounts. So thanks, y'all, for listening. Don't forget to uh, send some sats. We're splitting this episode with Joe and uh, as well as giving 1% back to the uh, web hosting company on this one, which is RSS Blue. And uh, happy holidays, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody here in the States. And uh, don't forget to smile for the mugshot. See you later.